Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Kids and Family Director. We're so glad you're here with us, whether in person or online. Thanks for joining in on this busy Halloween Sunday. Parents, I hope you get the best of the candy stash later and just enjoy your day. If you're a guest with us today, we want to especially welcome you and ask that you go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest where we can connect with you and also make a donation to our local Cross Food Shelf on your behalf. Here at Faithbrook, our vision is to lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. And if you have had God working on your heart and you're ready to show that on the outside, the next best step for you may be a baptism. Here at Faithbrook on November 14th, we'll be hosting baptisms. And the best way for us to know that you wanna be a part of that is by going to our Church Center app, clicking on events and baptisms. Or you can grab one of these next step cards from the back of your seat pocket and select that you want to um, be baptized with your information. Drop it in the giving box on the way out the door and we'll follow up with you. We look forward to celebrating those transformations that God has been doing in your life. Well, let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as he wraps up our series, Win the Day. Well, it is fall and the the uh, calendar says it's October 31st. It means it's Halloween and there's all kinds of activities in our culture centered around this spooky, scary Halloween thing. People have all that yard decor uh, hanging up and there's scarecrows. Hey, do you guys know why the uh, scarecrow got a promotion? Because he was outstanding in his field. Outstanding in his field. Boom. Okay. All right. Yes, right. But, you know, we, we uh, uh, kind of rally around this Halloween thing. And there, if you go to the movie platforms on digitally, there's all slasher movies and scary movies. And maybe it's having to do something with the full moons and the clouds and all this kind of stuff. And maybe as you're a young person, you had some campfires and people broke out with some, some scary stories. And somebody was telling you about the boogeyman and watch out for the boogeyman. It's going around the corner. It's going to get you. And you're like, oh, maybe there is a boogeyman. And then everybody laughs and goes home. But maybe you're like, whoa, well, well what if there is a, a scary thing out there? What, what, what happens if the boogeyman shows up? Could it be that scary stories and scary thoughts in our mind are just not centered around a scary time of the year? But a lot of times we uh, wrestle with all these thoughts that are negative, that could be scary for our lives, that could be self-critical in our lives, and we don't know how to manage them. Could it be that uh, there, the th- our thought life uh, p- plagues us or determines our health of our life? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but first I just want to welcome you to our our 1030 service here at Faithbrook. Th- thanks for coming and worshiping the Lord. That was great uh, music. And Pastor ben- Brendan did a good job stepping in for uh, Pastor Taylor. And uh, if you're viewing us online, thanks for worshiping. Hope you had a great week also. So we're coming to conclusion of our fall series called Win the Day. It was inspired by Patters- Pastor Mark Batterson out of his book, Win the Day. We're looking at seven biblical principles that help us take on life because life can be stressful, overwhelming. So what are they? We started with the essential habit of flipping the script. And and in other words, allowing God to write a new story in our life. Somewhere by faith, we say, God, take our life. We want a new story. Flip the script. The second thing is we got to learn to be able to kiss the wave. So we 
have these <clears throat> trials, we have these afflictions that show up, these waves, and we're either going to <clears throat> get better or we're going to get bitter. So how do we manage and approach those difficult times in our life? Thirdly, we talked about the habit of cutting the rope. Because playing it safe is not always safe. Somewhere God calls us to take a risk, uh, to go forward, to trust in him. There's also the, the habit of winding the clock, of viewing every moment as a gift from God. And how do we make the best of the moments or appreciate the time that God has given us? Last week, Pastor Peggy talked about the habit of seed the cloud. So we're seeding through prayer uh, what we want to see tomorrow. Not to give up in prayer, God will be faithful. And today, we come to the last habit of this series. And I would uh, suggest to you that this element or this issue is probably one of the most underrated, but probably the most common element that people deal with in their personal lives. Either we're going to win the day with it or we're not going to win the day with it, and that is the issue of our thought life. What rolls around in our mind that can consume us, that can scare us, uh, that directs us in our life? You know, I always thought it was funny that as God designed human beings, he gave human beings the ability to keep their, their thoughts private. You never know what somebody is thinking, unless you're one of those people that just blurt out everything they're thinking, right, kind of noxiously. But most of us, uh, we can be thinking things, but nobody will ever know it. We can even come to church and have a smile on our face or go to work or like, ah, but you're thinking some other things, right? And they don't even know it. Even some of you might be viewing online or here today and you've got a smile on your face, but you're like, that dude on that stage, he's kind of weird, right? And his jokes are corny. And uh, even some people accuse me to be kind of creepy, right? But you can kind of keep that to yourself and nobody ever know it, right? But we have these thoughts that are all around us. Some of them are not always positive. Many of them can be spooky. Many of them can be very condemning and negative and discouraging in our life. And it affects us. Ron Willingham said this, you have the power to change your thoughts and your thoughts have the power to change your life. Do you believe in that? Do you think thoughts can change our life? How important is our thinking in our mind to God and to ourselves? And more personally, do you have more positive thoughts that you think about or negative thoughts? You know, I've discovered in my life, a lot of times I can default to more negative thoughts. Why didn't I do that? I should have done that better, right? I, I was thinking the other day about uh, I get the opportunity to still play a little bit of competitive basketball, run up and down the court, and sometimes we win, sometimes we lose, and a lot of times I'll come home, and what I'm thinking about a lot of times is the shots that I missed. I'm just like, wow, I could have made that shot. Why didn't I make that shot? And I'm thinking, I'm, I, I can't shoot at all. But then someone after the game will come up to me and say, hey, good shooting, Jim. And I'll be like, really? Did I make any shots today? Because my default is kind of to the negative. It's to the, the, the critical. And sometimes we can be our worst critic, right? Why do we do that? Why do we have so many negative, scary anxious thoughts in our mind. Have you ever caught yourself how critical you can be to yourself? Maybe condemning to yourself? 
Maybe we, we have these thoughts, we're always comparing ourselves, well, someone looks better, they're thinner, look at these wrinkles, oh, why didn't I get promoted? I must be a loser. Sometimes it comes down, well, God doesn't believe in me, and, and he's not going to help me, and we, we're wrestling with all these thoughts in our life. Not to mention these, these spooky thoughts that fear and anxiety can bring in our life, that, that a lot of times we are worried about the boogeyman showing up. But what, what happened? What about my job? What about my health? What about my kids? What, what's going to happen in our country? And it can consume us and direct our ways. And it hasn't been easy, especially in the last couple of years with this historic pandemic. There has been a lot of anxiety on the rise, a lot of people internally, emotionally dealing with all kinds of scary, spooky thoughts in their life. From the virus to what about this vaccination to the turbulence in our streets and in Washington. And, and before we know it, we're just all caught up. There's a war going on in our mind and we're not very healthy. We're not overcoming a lot of times. Now, I used to think I was the only one that was warring with maybe some, some critical negative thoughts in my life. But then I was listening to some really high-profile Christian leaders. And they were confessing, disclosing that they also had some insecurities. They also have had some anxieties. And they have come out with some books or some podcasts. I'm like, wow, even them, even they uh, struggle and wrestle with the war in our mind and how to get free, how to get whole, how to get healthy. So we're coming to the, the seventh habit, and that is to win the day, you got to win the mind. To win the day, you got to win the mind. Now, this is nothing new. If you go all the way back in the Bible, you'll see some writers talk about the essence of the mind. The mind is connected to the soul, and a lot of stuff is, is between our ears. Uh, I really like Hebrews chapter 12, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and it talks about this right here. It says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, there's this word picture of someone running and things that are hindering them and entangling them. And he talks about the sin. And, and most of us can think about sin that, man, we, we've crossed the line, that this is not right. And before we know it, we're getting damaged. Someone else is getting damaged and it's ungodly. It's not biblical. It's wrong. But we notice that he also has another category. He says that everything, this, this everything that hinders. Now, the, the original context is something that encumbers us, something that weighs us down. And the writer uses the word everything. It's, it's just kind of a vague because a lot of times, I, I would say it includes a lot of times is our thoughts, as our emotion. It, it's our baggage, if you will. These things that have happened in the past, things that are happening around us, these things are just encumbering us. And he says, throw them off, get free, run the race. Because what he knows is that a healthy life starts with a healthy mind. A healthy life starts with a healthy thinking. How do we see things? How do we process things in our life? Would you say that your mindset, your emotions, your thinking is healthy and whole and vibrant? Well, one of the best people in the Bible who did this is an Old Testament character named Caleb. Now, Caleb and Joshua were really good friends. Um, they were bosom buddies and go way back. The Bible tells us that when 
uh, Israel flipped the script and got out of Egypt, let God start a new story. He takes them to this promised land that he wanted to, to give to them. This is, your, this is your hope. This is your future right here. But there were people already in that land, and, and there was a river. And so he sent a squad of 12 spies to go in there and check out the land. Let's see if we can take it. Well, they, the 12 came back, and 10 out of the 12 was like, oh, no, we don't want to go there, man. They got fortresses, and everyone's big, and they got weapons, and we're never going to make it, Moses, and we can't do it. And God was so disappointed. He was so brokenhearted that the people rejected his, his power, his ability. He just parted the Red Sea. He said, if you don't have it within you, then you can stay out in the desert. And they had a circle around the desert for 40 years. Meanwhile, two out of the 12, Joshua and Caleb, was like, I think we can do it. I, I know they're big, and I know it's tough, but, man, we can do it. We got God on our side. But the majority said, no, we can't, can't do it. Now, after Moses uh, passes, and guess who he gives the leadership to? This Joshua. And, and Caleb is right with him. But he gives it to Joshua, and we have this this journey in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, we see in chapter 14, Caleb comes to his friend Joshua and they have a conversation now that they're into the promised land. And this is what he says in verse 7 of chapter 14. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and I brought him the word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Remember that, Joshua? Uh, all those other spies are like, we can't do it. It's overwhelming. We better not do it. Oh, I, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. I was all in. I'm ready to go. Cut the rope. Let's do this. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trotted shall be in the inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. You've been all in. Uh, you've had this mindset. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said, these 45 years since the time the Lord spoke the words to Moses, I'm, I'm still alive. While Israel is walking around in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. It was his birthday, and he's going back to his buddy Joshua and says, this is my mindset, this is my attitude. Remember 45 years ago? Hey, I'm 85 years old, and he, he says, I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. I mean, this guy is 85 years of age, and he's like, man, I, I could even go to war. I'm ready to go. How do you have that kind of attitude? How do, you, how, do you have, how do you have that kind of mindset and thinking in your life? He goes on and says, Now give me the hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. Give me, give you, what do you want, Mr. Faithful? The hill country. You know, the ones you have to really climb and it's hard and it's rocky. Well, everybody else wanted the, the low, the, the valley, the, the lush. No, I, I want the hill country. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he was a poster child of winning the day. He was winning the day spiritually. He was winning the day um, mentally and emotionally and with faith. He's like, give me the tall stuff. I'm 85, but I can take it. How many 85-year-olds do you know with that kind of mentality? See, he's practicing the seventh habit, and that is to win the day. You have to win the mind. You have to win the mind. Now, if you're interested in this, 
we have to ask the question, well, how do we win the battle of the mind? Or that war, that, that mental, that emotional thoughts that are always running around in our mind? Well, I want to suggest to you that you have to have a battle plan. It just can't happen accidentally that you got to think this through and say, okay, uh, you know, you might have a plan for physically or for uh, your weight or academically or professionally, but we have to have a battle emotionally and spiritually in our mind. Now, I just want to make a little disclosure here. I'm not a clinical psychologist. Now, what I'm going to share with you is not going to be able to maybe um, uh, heal, you know, clinical depression or mental health issues. But what I'm going to offer you, this little plan, is to help you in just your common everyday my mind, my thoughts, to win the day with Christ. Now, the first component of this plan is to replace it, is to replace it. So Steve Cuss, who wrote the book, Managing Leadership Anxiety, he says there's two gospels. The gospel that is in our head, which we think is true, these thoughts, and the gospel of the Bible. And a lot of times we are paying more attention to the things that are in our head or what the world says or what our friends say than what the truth is, the gospel of the word of God. We just always kind of go to this default setting. You know, the boogeyman's going to show up. The worst case scenario, woe is me. It must have been my fault. I'm such a loser. God doesn't love me. I'm not redeemable. Uh, and, uh, um, and before you know it, we're, we're losing in life. And so to replace it, we have to capture it. We got to identify it. Uh, someone said, you got to name it to tame it, okay? And it's like, okay, I'm not thinking right here. I'm really down on myself. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm insecure. i got to name it. i got to identify it. you got to capture it. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church. He says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. All right, it, it could be a more of a, a tempting thing of anger or lust that we take captive, but also it can, it can take captive things like insecurities, um, uh, worry and fear and say, all right, I'm, 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 I'm looking, feeling really down on myself. I don't feel like I'm measuring up. That's a negative wrong thought. I'm going to take it captive and I'm going to make it obedient to Christ. And then we got to replace it with the true truths, the life-giving truths of Christ. And we go to the word of God that reminds us where is the truth, right? In our mind, in our family members, in our culture that's given us all these cues. Oh, we go to the rock-solid truth of God that he created us. Before we even took a breath, he was forming us. He had a plan for our life. He uniquely built us and designed us with personalities, traits, giftedness, etc. He has a plan going forward. These are the truths of God that we can replace and build into our life. I appreciate what uh, Romans 8 talks about, that God did not give us a spirit of fear, that we don't, we, we don't have to live in the slavery of fear mindset, but he gave us a spirit of sonship and daughtership. And by that we cry, hey, God is our father. He uses the term uh, Abba. He's our dear father. He's our big daddy. What do I have to be afraid of? If God is for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who is my strength. So I'm replacing these scary, spooky, boogeyman, uh, man, I don't measure up. I should have done better. Who am I to the life-giving uh, anchor truths of God in our life? This is a great time 
time where we can flip the script. We can say, I'm either going to listen to those negative, self-critical, self-condemning voices, or I'm going to flip the script and say, man, I'm going with God's voice. And many times we don't hear God speak audibly, right? But we definitely can hear God speak through his word of God that these are the truths. So one of the practices to replace it is ask yourself maybe every night or every other day, what truths did I speak into my life? What truths did I speak into my life? What I, was I speaking in negative, dark, self-condemning truths, right? Or was I speaking in, you know what? Hey, Jim, God died for you on the cross. He didn't go all the way to the cross and suffer an excruciating crucifixion uh, for you not to have life and freedom and wholeness and healing in your life. He loved you that much. Receive that. Pass that on. Live into that. Lean into that. So what are the truths that you're speaking into your life? Are you speaking, well, you know what? My hair didn't look good as my, my neighbors and my friends, right? And my pocketbook and my car is not as cool as my other person. Are you speaking that truth? Or are you speaking God's truth to say, man, you're dearly loved. I, I believe in you. I died for you. You can do all things through me. So we replace the negative with his positive life-giving truths. The second principle is that we got to learn to trench it. And what I mean is we got to just not be haphazard with it, but we have to um, uh, put deep trenches into our mindset. Uh, the psychiatrist out there says there can be neuropaths that we develop in our mind that we always default, and we dig these trenches in our mind that we always think, well, it should have been my fault. Uh, I'm not very good. Uh, uh, God doesn't love me. Uh, I'm always going to fail. And these are these trenches, these neuropaths in our life. For example, I was reading an article in Focus on the Family. Uh, I highly recommend that ministry in that magazine. It has a lot to do with family, uh, relevant stuff. For instance, they're talking about teenagers and posting and liking. And they are saying that the, a lot of the female teenagers are just, uh, they're gaining their identity through what they post, and especially how many people like it. So, so they're, what they're doing is they're digging these neural paths, these trenches in their mind. And for instance, like, well, I, I showed something and I got 20 likes, but my friend, they got 65 likes. So immediately, there it is, the reinforcement again, that, you know, I don't measure up. I'm less of a person. That's all these trenches. And God wants to say, no, we've got to retrench into the positive. We've got to retrench into the godly, the holy, the life-giving, um, spirit-loving truths of God in our life. Again, the Apostle Paul wrote about it. Romans 12, uh, verse 2, I believe. It says this, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Okay, there's all these thoughts coming from the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's three words here I want to key in that transform. That means a change. That we can literally dig new trenches and neural paths, if you will, the way we think about ourselves, even others, to be transformed. That word means changed. By what? The renewing. That's an ongoing, okay? It's not just a one time. It's ongoing of your... And, and he could have picked the heart. He could have said the soul, but he said the mind, because we know that's where the key is right there. What do we think about if we want to have a healthy life? We have to have a healthy mind. So what are you thinking about? How are you getting these anchor truths to build, dig trenches in your mindset? Where are they coming? Are you writing them down? So 
the older generation of people had hard copy Bibles, right? They'd bring them to churches and stuff. They'd have a highlighter or a pen, and they're writing this down in their notes. I have several of those. So, right, when, when life is tough and there's questions and insecurities and spooky man, boogeyman stuff, I'm going back to my Bible, and it's like, ooh, yeah, yellow. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yes, that's good. That's feeding my mind. This is the truth. I'm not going to worry about the boogeyman. I'm going to worry about the, the truth of God right here. Now, a lot of times now we have a digital Bible, but you can highlight that. In fact, there's plans on there. I was reading this the plan uh, this year that there was 31 truths of who I am in Christ. 31 truths of who I am in Christ. What am I doing when I read that for 31 days? I am digging a trench, reminding myself who I am in Christ Jesus. I don't have to be so preoccupied with what everybody else thinks, or if I did this or didn't do that. Man, I can be lived free because who I am in Christ. Amen, right? And so we want to dig these trenches. Now, this, this takes some practice. This is like the habit of flying the kite. It takes a little string first. Right? If you get the string across, you can get the little wire, then you get the cable, and then you can build a bridge. So we, we practice, hey, what am I thinking about? Uh, am I even taking time to think about the life-giving truths of God? Or am I hearing all the noise out there that says you've got to be someone else and do this and be that to live free, whole, and enjoy life? Let's fly the kite. Let's, let's start digging trenches that... That's going to increase confidence, it's going to increase faith, it's going to increase freedom, it's going to increase joy in our life. Yeah, Jim, but what happens when there's negative, scary things that happen, uh, show up? Well, number three is you've got to reframe it. You've got to look at it a little bit differently. Now, uh, I didn't know that I was reframing mm, 25 years ago when I learned this phrase that showed up on the golf course one day. So this big-time speaker uh, came in to the town, and one of the we were going to host him at an event in our church. I was going to personally host him. So that day, he's like, hey, before I speak, let's go golfing. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take you golfing. I, I, I wasn't a very good golfer. I'm still not a very good golfer. I was a little nervous, frankly. He was a big-time golfer. Sure, let's go out there. So we get on the first tee, and uh, I got my little uh, um, stick, and, and I'm ready to hit it right. I'm a little nervous, and he's standing there watching me, and sure enough, man, I just shanked that ball so bad, man. I just whacked it right in the woods. I was so mad. Well, I had this sarcastic response that I still use once in a while. And when I did it, I just said, well, praise God. That's what I said. Praise God. And that guy got so tickled, man, he started laughing. He started laughing at me. He said, I've never heard that before. Because he knew inwardly, man, I could have just cussed, right? I just could have walked away so aggravated with myself, right? But I just flipped the script a little bit. And I said, well, pr bless God, praise God that I'd look like a fool out there, right? That's, a, that's what it looked like. But really what I was doing is, is I was reframing, retraining my mindset. Instead of cussing and getting so down on myself, man, we just got to say, well, praise God, look at this, what I did. At least I'm out here playing golf. At least I even am hanging out with this guy. What can I see as a blessing in the best instead of just getting down to the lowest negative thoughts, right? Well, let's bless God. I think it has to do with James. Maybe I learned it from James. In James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, consider it, verse Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. He's almost being sarcastic too, right? 
You know, really, when we're going through afflictions and trials, he said, oh, man, consider joy. How many of you are like, woohoo, boy, I got bad news from the office. I got my kids are letting me down and my health is letting me down. Well, praise God, I'm just full of joy, right? He's like, consider pure joy. Well, well, basically, he's reframing. Hey, before you just go to the negative and you're just thinking all the negative, man, how can we change it? Maybe God does want to do something in our life. Maybe he's up to something, too. He's got an agenda for our life, and he wants to put you through some trials. He wants to produce some faith and perseverance and some toughness in your life. And maybe he wants to use that to bless other people when they're going through the same thing. So before you just go down the negative, dark way, let's reframe it and let's have a plan. For instance, I heard a dad the other day say that when my kid goes through adversity, and he goes through some, some disappointments, he'll say, now, now, son, let's try to see this as an opportunity to grow before we just give up. What can we learn from this? Let's, let's grow from this failure, this disappointment, and be a better person. It's good advice. Um, personally, I want to encourage you in this, in this battle for the mind is to have a response plan for when the boogeyman shows up. When something terribly disappointing or frightening shows up in your life or not really sure, maybe, you know, your, your boss says, I'd, I need to see you. Uh, we need to talk next week. And you're like, oh, man, here's the boogeyman. What, what's going to happen, right? Uh, maybe there's something on the news, and they say, look how bleak it is in our country, and look what's happening here. And you're like, oh, what are we going to do, kids? Are we going to survive? What if we reframe it and say, you know what? My God's large and in charge. I can trust in him, and he's going before me. Uh, Deuteronomy 31 says this, which is part of my battle plan, my response plan. The Lord himself goes before you, Jim, and will be with you. So whatever you're worried about, Jim, next week or next year in three years, four years, God's already gone before you, all right? He's already at that meeting. He's already dealing with that person. You can be present. You can relax. You can be calm instead of your mind spinning, your muscles getting tense. Oh, I got a meeting next week. And what if, what if nobody gives offering? And what if the whole country goes down the tubes? You know, I'm already there. I'm going before you, Jim. And guess what? I'm, I'm already in the room. I'm already working on that person. You can relax. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. Now, is that the truth? Or is the truth that the false gospel is, well, he, 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 he's the other people, not me, right? No, I'm going to lean into that truth. I'm going to make a decision that he's not going to leave me nor forsake me. Do, so do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Oh, hey, honey, get the kids. Let's go enjoy life. Before always just thinking about the worst case scenario, boogeyman's going to show up. Oh, woe is us. We better hunker down. No, let's live in joy. Let's live in freedom because I got a response plan. He's going to go before me. If Christ, cross, if Christ went all the way to the cross and died for me, what do I have to fear? He rose from the dead. Is that resurrection power living today? Is the Holy Spirit? Oh, oh, yes, it is. Okay. So I can endure. I can see it differently. I can reframe it. And when I have a burden, when I have an anxious thought, and when there's some fear, man, I can cast it upon Christ because he cares for me. Oh, yes, he's the good shepherd, and the good shepherd knows his flock. But what if one strays away? Oh, he even knows that. He's got my back. I can relax. I can enjoy life. I can have a response plan. Now, number four this, this, we have to be proactive with our mind, and I call it to nurture it, okay? 
So I want to encourage you, especially if you're a Christ follower, to nurture and get around um, ways that you can fill your mind with life-giving truths. In fact, the second song, all the songs we sing this morning, the second one was really, I'll praise you, I'll praise you when anxiety shows up, when the boogeyman shows up, when there's all kinds of problems. I'm going to praise you. This is how we nurture it. So are you listening to, to uh, praise songs, worship songs? Man, there's some awesome, good Christian songs out there that remind us that we're going to be okay, that God is on the throne, um, and we'll get through it. Um, are, you, are you practicing positivity and celebration? For instance, one of our rituals in our staff meeting is that we will always start out and say, what can we celebrate, Okay. Because people are going through some things. There might have been some disappointment, some challenges. But before we go to those, let's talk about what's good happening. What is God doing at Faithbrook? What, what do you know? And before you know it, the atmosphere of the room is, is lifted up. Because we're nurturing the goodness. We're nurturing the positivity, the, the thankfulness, and the worshiping God and, and praising God. You know, I really love Philippians 4. Uh, verses 4 and 7, because I think it's a great mental health, emotional plan for our lives. It can, it can, you can write this down. You can live on this. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Why does he have to say it again, right? Because I would submit to you that human nature is always going to the negative. Human nature in our mind is always going for the worst case scenario, and that's not going to work out, and he should have done better. No! Quit it. Rejoice in the Lord. Smile. Let's be happy. Let's enjoy. Amen. I mean, who wants to be around grumpy Christians, negative, serious, uh, nervous Christians, right? Rejoice. This is for me because a lot of times my, my trench can go to the negative and God is helping me to retrench it, rechange it. So I'm going to rejoice. I know what you're thinking, but see, I don't know what you're thinking because I can't read your mind. Uh, but something's going to let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Oh, we, we could just chew on that. Live right there. The Lord is near. Relax. Have a great weekend. Lord's got it. He's got your finances. He's got your retirement. He's got your health. He's got your kids. He's got your grandkids. The Lord's near. Do not be anxious about anything. Mm-hmm. But in every situation, here's your plan. Okay? It's not like you don't have issues, and we don't have boogeymen out there. By prayer and petition, okay, with thanksgiving, this, this is like, don't forget the positive, right? Present your request to God. All right, God, this is bothering me. I got this voice. I got this thought. I got this worry. Rise, right? rolling around my head. Present it. Give it to me. Trust it to me. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, man, I can't figure it out. I can't control it. That's right. You're not supposed to be, okay? God transcends all that understanding. What is he going to do? He's going to guard your heart. That's where your spirit is. And look what else he puts in there and guard your thoughts, your mind, because that's where the battle is. That's where the voices are all into us, right? What a beautiful plan of God to give us emotional, mental, um, thought life health. Because if we want to have a healthy life, we've got to, have, we've got to win the day in our mind. So a lot of this has to do with prayer. Some of you didn't even know that was in the Bible, right? So you need to highlight that scripture. You need to dwell on that scripture. That means you have to be reading the word of God. Before and more, you're reading the word of God, and you're getting encouraged. You're having a better disposition. You're being more like Caleb to take on the hill country and go through difficult life. 
A lot of times that means we have to tune our radio or our devices onto the Christian uh, channels that we're listening to that music. Maybe sometimes we get a journal out and we journal our, our fears, our worries. And we talk, think about God, thank you for showing up this way. Thank you for all the blessings. Before you know it, your mental health, your, your emotional life is getting freer and healthier in your life. And you are winning the day. And you're winning the day with your mind because a healthy life starts with a healthy mind. So today on your way out, we want to uh, offer you a little reminder, um, our little reminder card <clears throat> that uh, right here. Yes. And a uh, healthy life starts with a healthy mind. And here's our little four components. Replace it, trench it, reframe it, nurture it. Okay. Stick this in your purse, put it on your mirror, on your dresser. And it's just a reminder. In fact, you can maybe get in your journal or a piece of paper and just like, hey, you know, I, I need to name and identify and capture what I'm anxious about or the negative um, pathways in my mind. And then I need to replace it with God's truth. What are the truths? Write them down. I got in my journals and my calendars, I got six to ten life-giving scriptures. Uh, I even have written out a response plan. Okay, woo! I'm, I got some. I am a little nervous right here. I go to these anchor scriptures, reminders, and before I know it, I'm just like, I'm fine. I'm cool. I'm winning the day because I'm worked on my mind and my spirit. So take that home. Because here's the deal. The gospel is a gospel of freedom. The gospel is a gospel of freedom. God wants us to live free mentally, emotionally, and especially spiritually. He wants us to win the day. And when he wants us to have a plan through the word of God and emotionally and spiritually that when the boogeyman shows up, my friends, we don't fall apart. We're just not living in always that dark, negative, scary place that we can win the day. Now, I'm going to leave you with this story that I heard that really helped me a lot. And uh, hopefully it can help you is from a counselor. I don't even remember his name. I just heard this analogy. I was like, yes, that works. So he is like, we're all <clears throat> kind of like driving a bus down the street. We're the driver. And we got all these voices behind us sitting in our seats, right? Now, can you imagine driving a bus? That's pretty intense, right? It's big and we got to make turns. And we're trying not to crash into anything. We're all kind of focused. And guess who's the loud mouth sitting behind us? We allow the biggest critic condemning negative voice to sit right behind us in our ear. And they're like, look where you're going. You're not a very good driver. You should have slowed down. You should have stopped there. You're no good. And we're just listening to all that kind of stuff, trying to manage life. And we wonder why we don't have joy. Oh, it's going to, you know what? There's a tire going to blow out. Did you check the oil, right? Do you know there's some kids that are going to fall off the bus and all kinds of stuff? We're a nervous wreck and we're always worried about ourselves. And he said, what you got to do is you got to capture basically that loud mouth in the back and say, you're not sitting here anymore. You're going in the back of the bus and shut up. All right. You go back there where I can't hardly hear you and go to the very back and just be quiet. Right now, what he noticed, he said something interesting. He said, it really, it's not a matter of eliminating that voice. You can't really eliminate if you're breathing and you live in my world or our world, you know, there's going to be some negativity. Amen. Right. It's not going to stop. But you don't have to let that negative voice sit right behind you, consuming your thoughts. Right. Dictating how you're going to view life and who you are in Christ Jesus. And no, you're done. You're going back there. Be quiet. And then who do you put behind in the first seat right behind you? I would claim you'd find Jesus. Jesus, where are you? A lot of times 
we got Jesus in the back of the bus. We're looking at culture, and we're thinking all these other things in our life around. Jesus is like, excuse me, I love you. I came to die for you. I believe in you. I think you're the most awesome person. Will you please put me right behind you? And let me speak into your life the truth. Well, I can't hear Jesus. I don't know his voice a lot of times. Right here you can, okay? Be sure to get in there and consume and retrain your mind on the life-giving anchors of God's truth in your life. It's kind of a reminder why we have a cross up here. It's a reminder. It's trenching that God loves us, that God died for us, and he rose from the dead for our life. And we're not going to let him have more real estate, the negative real estate in our mind. And say, no, I hear you. I, I know. And sometimes they get loud. Shut up. Get to be quiet. Okay. I'm going back to the truth that it gives me life, spirit, love. Oh, that's right. I can do all things through Jesus Christ, who is my strength. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, Romans 8 tells us four times that when we are weak, he, he will intercede for us. Is that true? Yes, it is. So what is our response to this? If God loves us, who can be against us? Nothing just separates me from the love of God. Trouble, hardship, persecution, danger, sword, all these things. No, we are more than conquerors. All that's in the Bible. Guess what? You can live in victory, take the high country when you get a hold of your mind and the truths of God. So I know I got a little passionate about this, but so let's, let's just slow down here and close out with a prayer. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and we're going to pray a prayer of freedom. Because I believe there's maybe some people in here that struggled emotionally, with their thought life, and a lot of times they are not free. They might look free, they might have a decent health and finances, but they struggle with just living, winning the day mentally and emotionally. So God, we just today want to take captive the lies that have been rolling around our, our minds, the fears, the boogeymen, the problems, our self-doubts, our self condemnation, and we want to capture it and put it in the back of the bus. And this morning, by faith, God, we want to replace that, those voices, those thoughts with your truth. Would you come to the front of the bus of our mind and our soul? We're going to allow you today, God, to just speak into our life. And not only today, but we want to build some trenches we want to be proactive of what comes into our mind, what we're going to read, what we're going to think about, what we're going to nurture, that we dig trenches of truth and love and spirit in you. And Father, today, if the boogeyman shows up and there's some negative things that come into our life, we're going to reframe it. We're going to know, God, that you've got a plan for it. We're going to know that you can heal us. We're going to know that you are, your grace is going to be sufficient for us to manage and hang in there, God. And God, we're going to nurture it. Help me. Help us to be connoisseurs of the good. Help us to find worship and, and truths and scriptures that, that, that feed our mind and our soul, God, that we can take on life. We can win the day. For Lord, if you are our shepherd then we shall not be in want. We can be calm. We can be content in your love and our identity in you. And God, if you lead us to quiet waters, to be still, and, but, and let us lie down in green pastures, you want to nourish our mind. You want to nourish our soul. Help us feed on your goodness and your love. 
Help us feed on your compassion for us and a belief in us, God, that we are children of God. There is nothing to fear. And God, renew our souls and our mind that will lead us into paths of righteousness. And if we have to go through the valleys, God, that even of death, remind us, God, that your staff and your rod will comfort us and you'll see us through. And surely goodness, God, your love and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Be with these good people. Help us to win the day. Heal us, make us whole and vibrant for you. In Jesus' name, amen.